Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. Episode 87 is here. I'm excited to bring it to you because essentially I just recorded a whole episode with uh, my guest here, Zilla Vodnas, before we even started recording. We are having so much fun, <laughs> and I'm hoping you have a lot of fun listening to this episode. Ladies and gentlemen, the great comedian, Zilla Vodnas. Zilla, how are you? I'm fantastic. Thank you so much for having me, Franklin. I'm so excited. We did totally have a whole podcast prior to this. I'm not kidding. We we solved all the world's issues like in one fell swoop <laughs> instantly. A woman, a woman from New York and a man from West Virginia have solved the entire world's problem. I know. It's uh okay, that's the ticket, right? For uh what we do in 2024. Uh Franklin Zilla, we we that's it. We're going to defeat Joe and Kamala. No. <laughs> We could. We could. I don't know. Can can Democrats like beat I'm so stupid. Like they can't they can't beat Joe, right? Like No, no, no. He, I I mean, well, also we should do a dual ticket. We should do no party. We deconstructing, frankly. You know, we're just going to be like we have no party affiliation. That's true. We're called party. Welcome to the So it's Welcome to the Party and then <laughs> and then we will have so much fun and everyone's invited and uh, actually you can be the you can be the president. I want to be the vice. I want to be VP. You strike me. It's it's great. I feel like that's a fifth year. I'm really nervous now about the possibility. No, we're not. We're not going to be president. But in this made up situation, I do feel like you give me the like vibes of when Obama had Joe and Joe was like his wingman. I feel like yeah. that's you, Franklin. You're going to. Yeah, no, charming the I'm your wingman of America and making sure we got everything going. OK. Yeah. And then you'll get in trouble because you wore a tan suit and that's it. And and then that'll be that'll be your biggest scandal. A tan, I'm gonna wear a tan suit, which, you know, tan or plaid. I'm gonna wear something super tacky. They're going to be like, oh, this lady. People are going to call me like Grandpa Frank and then they're going to see me shooting basketball and they're like, look how relatable he is. It's gonna be so much fun. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I'm having so much fun. So many memes, Franklin. <laughs> All right. So where can the people follow you at Zilla? Um, on Instagram at Zilla Vodness on Twitch at Zilla underscore Vodness, uh, and also on YouTube. Now, no Twitter? You don't want people to go to your I, Twitter? I do have Twitter. I'm, I'm, I'm medium at Twitter. <laughs> okay, fair enough. But she has a really good Instagram, guys. She's super artsy and, and, and a ton of fun to, to watch. I watch her show Zilla Vision. Uh, where can they watch that at? That's on Twitch on Tuesday nights at 9 p.m. on the Comedy Hub. And she, she always brings out a good lineup on there. And it's really funny stuff. And I watched you had this sketch with like Muppets. It was crazy. My mom even laughed. She doesn't laugh at anything. And so that's uh, your stamp of approval right there. Yes. Mom approved. Thank you. Mom approved. An old, an old white woman from the South loves your stuff. So you got that. <laughs> yep. um, everybody. everybody <laughs> so I'm very, what's that? I'm sorry. I said, I'm going to tell everybody with ears. I'm going to be like, you know what happened yesterday? I got approval from a white woman from the South. I'm going to tell. That's everybody. right. <laughs> <laughs> but the uh, thing, um, so you're you're a very artsy person, and we've had a couple of Zoom gigs together. But I'm curious about your your comedy start. I, I'm very curious of what the people that inspired you and the steps that you took to get where you are today, and and what avenues like led you to wanting to be a comedian. I'm very curious about uh, this for you. Okay, so um, I'm gonna be completely transparent, and I apologize in advance to anyone listening, um, but. Uh, I was not one of those people that like grew up and like from five years old wanted to be a stand up. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Like uh, for me, I always just wanted to entertain people. So like I went to film school and I uh, worked in production. I was a film editor for a little bit. And I, I always liked storytelling more than anything. 
Like I was in a storytelling yeah. contest when I was a kid and I remember uh, the rush of like remembering all of the parts of something and then repeating it and still trying to keep people engaged, which is tough, you know, like yeah. uh, public speaking. And then um, I want to say, so about six years ago, I went to a burlesque show and the host was a comedian and he was so God awful um, <laughs> that I looked at a friend next to me and I was like, man, if I'd have known that anybody could do, <laughs> I that, could do that, right? Because I really like burlesque. I don't want to do burlesque, but I was like, yo, wait a minute. You mean to tell me they're going to pay me to host a night of burlesque with all these foxy, smoky people, you know, and this lovely, it was at this place called Joe's Pub, which is at the public theater. So it was like just this very- Burlesque. Is that like Chicago? Is that like the Chicago movie? That Yes. Yes. And that, okay. so, so burlesque is like strip- um, st like striptease. Um, yeah. And it's like a, an entire art form. People take it super seriously. So they had these like really gorgeous women doing yeah. like striptease in this really swanky bar. And this guy is just what he is just fumbling the bag. You know what I mean? Like he was being offensive. He was like, the audience was like chattering during his set. Yeah. Like he wasn't using it to, it was just like, wow. Oh my God. I know. Did he come out? Did he come out like after every uh, person did their I, dance? Yes. So he was. Oh, like, so every time they're like, Oh God, yeah, so this guy's bad. Really dope burlesque. And then now at the same time, I was a school teacher, a high school teacher in New York city. And uh -huh. being a high school teacher, you have to get over your fear of just about everything because, uh, yeah, you have to like, um, I was tasked with a the futures of these bright, wonderful students. I was mm -hmm. tasked with keeping their engagement on some really boring topics. Um, so that became I learned to write to uh, get to a point. I learned to speak to get to a point because it's like you got to stay in high school, right? You got a 45 minute period or 50 minute period. You're lucky if you get the, the students to listen for a good 10 minutes because after that yeah. it's got to be work or something else. Right. You got to keep them engaged. So I had a little bit more security in my level of engaging people. So I was like, I say this to my friend, I'm like, Oh my God, what? I could have this job. I could be hosting burlesque. And my friend looked at me, uh, Meg and, and her current husband, they said, Oh yeah, we'd go see you. Like, <laughs> yo, if you do that, shit, that's crazy. You're going to do that. We'll go. And that was it. Like, I was like, I really want to do this. Now, I was really busy as a teacher and I put it off. You know what I mean? You always say like, oh, I'll, I'll do it. But with comedy, it's kind of tough because you got to first, you got to find an open mic, right? Right. You got to write material. Uh, for me, a lot of the prep was for months. I, I said I wanted to do it for months. I went to comedy shows all over New York. I wanted to see who was doing it. I wanted to see what they were doing. I wanted to You just went. You didn't perform? No, I just went. Wow. Yeah. So that was like you're like studying the art, essentially. Yes. And I was like, is this a thing I want to do? Do I think I can do it? Um, I, I noted who I really loved. Then I try if I saw them again, I loved. And you'll know this, frankly, because it's like you do comedy. Sometimes you can see a person that you adore, absolutely crush. And then the wildest thing will happen. They'll take that same material and you will watch them absolutely eat shit in a different room. And like, yeah, and that's the thing. It's like you have comedians that say like it's never the audience's fault, but it's so hard to gauge that because you do well and then you suck. It's so weird. It's yeah. so weird. So that also helped me. Like, all right, that shit's gonna happen to you. You know what I mean? Like, you'll have, there'll be, you'll win some, you'll lose some. And then yeah. what ended up happening is, when I went to that burlesque show, I was there uh, with a friend, 
and like we had like on and off again dated and I bumped into him months later and he was like, ha, remember when you said you were going to do stand up? I bet you haven't even done it. Ooh. Yeah. So I got so mad. So I was like, well, funny, you should ask. I'm doing it this weekend. And then I had to go and do it. <laughs> Did he show up? No. But like, oh, that would, I be, had to that would be if he sat there, if he sat there, arms crossed, be like, we'll see how funny she is. Like, that would be that'd be pretty petty. I well, laugh. Funny is that then after uh, like, you know, I did it. And then years later, he was like, oh, shit, you've been absolutely doing this thing. You're crushing it. I see on Instagram. All I did was and Franklin, sorry to be this generation. But I was like, shit, now that means I got to do comedy and put it on the gram because it's like that's the only way you can prove it. <laughs> 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 oh man it's very easy to look like you murder and, and put stuff on the internet and absolutely. I, I, I totally understand and i and i have to tell you for some reason because the universe be like that every time you will absolutely destroy light the comedy club on fire either your phone wouldn't work proper and the recording oh my God, work, yes. or you get really bad sound <laughs> Oh my god, my best my one of my best nights of doing stand up. I had my phone recording like on the side like uh like on the chair or whatever and I was recording myself and I was like, "Oh my gosh, I'm going to be able to pick up all these laughs. This is going to be great." And I get off the side of the stage and I hit playback and all it recorded was me hitting start and that's it. And, and, and that's, I was like, "Yes. Yes." Oh, so, you know, devastated. Yeah. And then so I started doing comedy and what I reacted to the most was it was a very gatekeepy like, I don't know if you had a similar experience to some, like, people are like, who, who are you? Wait a minute. You're doing, who are you? You're doing comedy. Are you even funny? You get this like yeah. kind of pushback. No, and, it, it's kind of gatekeepy. There's yeah, yeah there's yeah. weird rules. And also there's like people, some people, uh, you know, give stage time to only their friends. I've seen people, only yeah. book, you know, um, the same people over and over. And that actually was like fuel on the fire. Like, I love that part of it. It became like I was a high school teacher. And then on the weekends and nights, I was doing comedy. And it became, wow. it made me a better teacher because I started to get funnier in my lessons. And then it also made me a better comic because I, I was a high school teacher in New York City. I've been roasted so Yeah, y- Yeah, no, you've <laughs> You've been in some tough rooms. I mean, yeah. in some tough rooms. So, like, even the worst heckle I've ever gotten in a club is nothing compared to, like, a student who was, say, upset with me. Especially, like, you keep kids on detention. You know, I, there was a time yeah. I had a homeroom, and I would have to keep detention. Because, you know, you have to set a certain standard. And I'd be like, all right, you're staying with me for lunch. And that's just me trying to eat my lunch for for 30 minutes while a kid is like, you know what's wrong with you? <laughs> and just Oh my gosh. Oh. Also though, they showed me, I mean, I learned so much in timing for my students. You know, there's always the funniest kid in the class and there's a reason yeah. why that kid is the funniest, you know, it's good timing. It's a, you know, imbi- ability to do impressions ability, you know, like, it, Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So it's like watching comics on both ends, like comics in the classroom and then comics on stage. And yeah, uh, I guarantee you there's going to be a student that had your class that ends up being a comic. I guarantee absolutely, it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Especially because the coolest thing about, I mean, of course, also the experiences with the students, but the like coolest selfish thing for being a teacher was it made me ready for anything and like also ready to pivot. You can never, mm-hmm. um, when you teach and something goes wrong, it's, you don't, you can't waste any time. You pivot and you try to make the best of whatever happens. So it's like, if you're doing a science experiment and it goes wrong, then you guys start talking about 
why this science experiment went wrong. <laughs> you know, like you make the best of what you get. And so being able to always approach the stage like that, which is like, even if I like did badly, did I at least know that that one new thing I wrote down got a laugh? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. You know, so they fed into each other. And then I hit a point where I wanted to do comedy full time, which was fairly recent. I've only I quit teaching about a year ago. So that's so cool, though. I'm really happy that you were able to make that leap. That's awesome. Oh, no, it was uh, it was incredibly hard. And I really do miss it like so often. OK, never mind. I redact that. Oh, no. Redact that. No. <laughs> no, not redacted. Thank you. I like appreciate, you know, like you try to look at the positives. Uh, that being said, there's nothing cooler than cool high school kids. And I don't mean like cool, like generically, like the cool. They kids. scare me. High school kids are terrifying. But if you can win them over, it's it's like how to train your dragon. Does that make sense? <laughs> <laughs> it's like they're terrifying. But yo, if you let them know that you got their back, they got your back. And it's the most beautiful thing ever. You know what I mean? Like I still talk to some of my kids. Contact me on Instagram. It's hilarious. You know, but yeah, oh yeah. Message me and just ask me how I'm doing, and I'm like, oh great, uh, you can't follow me. Please don't. You know, <laughs> please do not follow me. Oh my gosh, I can only. What was your like main subject? I mean, how did it work so, for you? I taught you I yeah, I taught students who were on the autism spectrum and who uh. were emotionally disturbed. And when you teach uh, students in the the setting that I taught in, um, you. They, they learn either all subjects from you or they learn one subject from you. So for mm -hmm. half the time, uh, I was I taught every subject. I taught math, science, uh, high school math, high, high school science, his, like history. It was everything. But then the second half, I was afforded the absolute luxury of being able to teach um, film. And uh, I taught film wow. to students. And that was like the greatest outcome. And then what ended up happening is I had to change schools and I lost that program. And I think that was a big reason why I stopped for, I took a break because it was just like, all right. But teaching film to students was amazing, especially kids that like, we used to make music videos and I got to tell wow. them, I, I won them all over because I, they'd watch something on Instagram and be like, oh, I really like this. And I'd be like, hey, you want to do that? They're like, what? And I'm like, yeah, we got lights. Come on. We could, you know, like, we so could wait, were you like recreating like Bobby Schmurter videos in your class? <laughs> well, oh my God. I, I, Bobby Schmurter was like so insanely popular at one point. The Schmoney dance. Like I hope. The Schmoney dance. I hit that in many a college club. <laughs> yes. But like, uh, no, we, yeah. So one of my kids could freestyle and I was like, yay, record a freestyle. Let's do it. And like, even just the feeling of like, they would think I'd be the teacher. I'd be like, don't freestyle in class in the middle of class. Freestyle yeah. later and let's record it. And but they but you earn that respect and they and they had that mutual respect of I'm not gonna freestyle in class, Miss Yeah, Because it's like because I value what you're doing. You are really good wow. at freestyling. You know what I mean? Like a lot of those kids have incredible talents, and that's the coolest like there are many evils to TikTok, but one of the coolest things about TikTok is if you have any sort of teeny tiny, small, crazy talent, if you put it on TikTok, you have an audience. Uh, yeah, but you could be like me and be uh, funny and then also get mercilessly roasted in the comments <laughs> by 16-year-old girls. Don't look in the comments, Franklin. <laughs> I'm not kidding you. I've not posted on there in a long time. And they didn't They didn't usher me away from the app. I left under my own, you know, decision. But there was a time like i'd say a year ago uh, today i had this video like million of view, million views and stuff like that and then i post another one like five hundred thousand views 
And like the one joke took off about Gen Z girls, which I am a part of Gen Z. And I was talking about girls my age and they, the people that were like 15 were taking offense to them. I was like, you're not involved with this. Please stop messaging me. Like they were <laughs> mercilessly, mercilessly roast me. So I guess that, yeah, I think, so is roasting going to become the norm? Like, are we all just going to, is it? No, I don't think it is because if you roasted back, if you roasted back, they would immediately like, they, they like cry. And if they, okay. they, they call me every ism, they called me every ism and ist under the sun. If I reply to them, <laughs> if that makes sense. Yes. I, I get completely. And also yeah. I know you ain't got time for all that. You're trying to be funny. You're not here trying to yeah. waste your time, but yes. So that's how I like teaching and comedy kind of met together and uh you know um those kids are you know they scary but you know everybody just wants to be uh essentially yeah it goes back to what you were saying is just people just want you to value what they can do right yeah, yeah i can do this that's thing. so cool that's so cool that you would like allow your students to have that creative outlet and I'm, I'm sure that helped with them immensely and they probably look forward to your class but i'm really curious because you didn't really say anything so like your introduction to comedy was much different than most comedians, but so there was never like a time when you were younger that you watched a comic on, on TV or something like that. Oh, and you're like, absolutely. wow, that's really all the cool. time. But I just didn't think, I think I was too insecure to do comedy. Comedy's scary. And I think yeah. some people um, rely on their insecurity. Like, yeah, I'm sure you know comics that they're, their comedy is actually driven by uh, constantly making fun of themselves and constantly yeah. pointing out their flaws, which is totally a vibe. It's not my vibe. And like, I don't knock it, you know, it's just not a thing I do. But I think at the time I was like, incredibly, I would have crushed, I would have been crushed in like, it, it happened at the right time. I loved comedy, adored it. Loved Eddie yeah. Murphy, love Whoopi Goldberg, very big fan of like comedy, uh, comic relief where, you know, I got, I was lucky enough to experience the heyday of Robin Williams and like just this thing. The eighties was the time for comedy in the nineties, early nineties, you know, even, yeah. even when you think of, uh, it's, it sounds crazy. I, whether or not you like someone's comedy, you have to acknowledge if they were a cultural touchstone. Oh my God, I can't even tell you about Dan Cook. When Dan Cook dropped, everybody <laughs> loved Dan Cook. You know what I mean? Like, so I've, I always was in this admiration of just people, um, as a person who writes, you have to understand that that is created out of their mind. You know, yeah. this, uh, a comic. Well, unless you're Dan Cook, then it's created by like Louis C.K. and then you yeah, just so, or like wh whoever's writing for you. But there's still this persona you get dressed a certain way with zane cook it, everything was ed hardy everything he had a oh my gosh i forgot i forgot about that he would wear like he was a he was a regular person not a professional athlete and he would wear wristbands yes and and he would also like he wasn't really that college dude but his whole angle was i'm that college dude you know like he he toured cities being like yo i'm i'm the bro you want to play beer pong with i'm that guy yeah like you i'm know? pretty sure he had a whole thing called like torgasm i'm pretty sure that was like yeah. one of his and, big tours and it was just yeah. colleges and that's and it was just college so and so i've always been in awe of comedy like i've always considered comedy an art form um yeah when uh, i full disclosure Full disclosure, I am completely aware of what Louis C.K. did, but I have to be honest and tell you that for many years before that was revealed, I completely was a huge Louis C.K. fan. You know what I mean? So it's like, I, I mean, I don't think anyone should shame you for being like, that was your introduction to comedy. This was before all that stuff came out. I think you're good. Yes. 
but it, it was interesting to be a comic when that also the shit hit the fan. That was all interesting uh, yeah. because I I do understand the nature of like one time I did uh like just. How certain like how women feel in comedy is something to consider with Louis C.K. thing. It's like you have to uh, check your fandom to also be like, oh, shit, but also this is a thing that happened, you know, um, but <laughs> right. that was like before he got before him and Aziz got um, enmeshed in their scandals. They were the the rise of the stand up comic again. Before the pandemic, stand ups were doing yeah. stadiums again. Stand ups were, you know, Aziz has that giant show at MSG. So it's like, yeah, I I've always seen that. Do I think anything that happened in the two thousands um or twenty tens compares at all to early eighties comedy like Eddie Murphy, Carlin, uh, you know, um, Bill Hicks, um, any number of Robin Williams? No, not at all. I I, th- I still think uh, society is not as warm. I feel like comedy used to be such a big deal. You know, like yeah. comedy movies used to have, like Adam Sandler, is that the last person who was the comedian who also did movies? Do you know what I mean? Like in the 80s, like almost all the movies had like comedians in them. So it's like. Uh, well, I mean, I think they throw them into like character like pieces now, but I don't think they like, they're like the main person. No, I, I, I don't think anyone's unlocked that level again. You know, where it's like an Eddie Murphy. Where he's well, like, they're not making, they're not making, expensive amount like like the the comedy movies they're making now are really cheap no they're not spending a lot of movie on comedy movies and you're 100 percent right like they're literally like just these like kind of mumblecore or also like smaller like dating comedies you know they're not that's well i guess this leads into you being a total cinephile so you're absolutely going to talk circles around me here but it's like um the the comedy movies kind of like 2008 2009 it's like the last hurrah of really good comedy movies and since then 2010 on it's been like a man you know what i mean absolutely and i think the one thing like genre films i think the pure there was that big writer strike i don't know if that had anything to do with it not to distract you no no not at all um i think there were there were specifically that genre meaning like i think what we do now with movies is there's so much like there's not a straight up comedy movie coming out very often you know, yeah, like dramedy or this. Yeah, they'll uh, do dramedy or they'll do like an action movie that has funny elements or they'll like because even some of the funniest lines. When I think of the last scene in a movie in 2020, so last year, the funniest scene in a movie to me was in Uncut Gems. And that is not at all a comedy, you know, like it's kind of funny. Oh, it, no. The part when he's watching his daughter at the play. And the like gangsters are <laughs> him at the back. That's hilarious. That is hilarious. Oh, yeah. But it's also incredibly scary. But it's also hilarious, you know? So I think we that do was a, that. that was a good look in the mirror for me because I was an addict. I was I was a gambling addict. And uh like so for that to like see him go down that crazy path, it's like, I really just don't want to get involved. Like I don't want that to be my life. So I kinda like stopped because of that movie. Well that makes me really happy and that's also I think the point of the movie is like when does when do you stop and this is the story of a guy that essentially never stops until he's forced. Would you know I've been no I've been in that brain before. I know his brain. I can promise you this Zilla, he was never going to stop. He won that big bet. He was going to continue to gamble. Keep going, right? <laughs> yeah, there yeah, no, he was not going to stop. No. But yes, you're absolutely right. They also don't make what I like to call the date comedy. There was a whole time when they used to have a movie uh, they would usually drop on Valentine's Day or they would have a couple every week, uh, every couple of weeks, where it was like a comedy that people went to go on, on dates when like, you know, movie theaters will open. Uh, yeah. How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days is very much that. What's the other one we were saying? Um, uh, Fool's Gold 
Is the other one? Fool's Gold. Are we just talking about McConaughey and Kate Hudson movies? Yeah. I mean, like, McConaughey rom-coms. He had that one with J-Lo, I think. The Wedding Planner. Yeah, the Wedding Planner. And that's, yeah, you're exactly right. It's the rom-com. Like, where did the rom-com go? It's not a- I really hope, I have to develop muscle mass, but I would love to be, put me in the rom-coms. I love a rom-com. Franklin coming for them rom-coms. I love it. I will be the rom-com guy. I will take that torch. I will carry it. I, I love rom-coms. I'm being dead serious. Oh, I think rom-coms are fantastic. And I think the two that we're going to talk about today are, I think that we're going to answer our question. So our, our thesis is, why in, 2020, in 2021, in super hyper cancel culture is a thing, right? So why yeah. don't they make the rom-com as readily as they used to? And I think it has a lot to do with gender norms because I think that's the biggest, that's what I wanted to talk to you about. In- Again, you're going to talk circles around me on this su- on the subject, especially no, if we're talking about gender it. norms. You got it. I think you got it. <laughs> I didn't know we were talking about gender norms. I have notes that we're talking about pretty woman and we're going to talk about how to lose a guy in 10 days. I don't know if we're going to talk about gender norms. <laughs> no, I'm just no, kidding. I mean, like dating, you know, like the weird, uh, you know, how we approach dating now versus yeah definitely we're, gonna, we're definitely gonna get into the dating and everything um yeah but again i love a rom-com i i love a comedy movie uh i it does kind of suck that they're not as good anymore i have this take i want to share this take with you and then we can get into the actual rom-com thing but co- as far as comedy movies go here's a really bold take the f- let's go to 2009 and it's the first time you ever watched the first Hangover movie. Is that not the funniest movie you had seen in your life up to that point? What I remember about The Hangover is it was one of the few movies where if you was in a room with like 20 people, every all 20 people were laughing. It is oh the my incredible crowd pleaser. Um, and what's funny is they do a really wonderful thing is they cover their bases and they do every type of comedy possible in the hangover. There's wordplay, there's visual gag, there's, yep. uh, there's straight man, there's goofball. Yep. Yep. So it's the type of thing that, um, you know, that experience is like, I lived in Texas when the hangover came out and I remember a buddy of mine just being like, Oh my God, you gotta see this movie. And it just, you know, people watching it and just everyone moms dads no matter the age could laugh at the hangover you know people love that movie so much they would have their sprint razor phone or whatever and their ringtone would be that song that Stu sang about the tigers yes and also uh i love sometimes i see these out in the wild in uh, new york they have these baby on board decals and it's the little wow baby and <laughs> baby with the shades uh you know so that's a hilarious like weird i feel like Beards and mustaches, like Galifianakis's, like whole vibe. That like was a cultural movement, you know. Like yeah. people started to look like that, you know. Like, or maybe you was a Bradley, you know. There's a flavor. Fan. I think in my mind, I wanted to be, I wanted to be Bradley, but in reality, I was just the guy who got lost. <laughs> I think you know you got Bradley looks, so that that's that you could be. Both. Did you? Okay, hold on. Uh, uh, rewind that. I th- did. Everyone just hear that? <laughs> I'll say it again. For the record, Bradley looks Franklin. You're not a Galifianakis. Oh, what are you? Oh my God! I'm I could die and go to heaven. Oh my God! <laughs> well, there you go. So yes, but I agree with you. Yeah, the Hangover was like a movement, like you know, like a that was a cultural moment. People, de- yeah. everybody loved the Hangover. And everybody started. I guarantee. I don't know if they had the iTunes stats or whatever, but In the Air Tonight by Phil Collins had to have gotten a billion streams. 
Yes, and then it's so funny because that's another cultural touchstone. Like every couple of years, remember they had that, um, those young men did that video where they watched it, right? And they did a reaction video. And when the drum part hits, they made these really hilarious faces and they went viral. So it's like In the Air Tonight, a good movie knew that In the Air Tonight would always be so like culturally relevant. And I think, frankly, like the in a couple of years, I bet you they'll do either a remake or they'll do another Hangover movie. I I I'm very curious if they do that though. I mean, like I'm watching it back, and you know, you hate to, to say the word cancel and everything, but like I feel like some of these jokes they just wouldn't happen. There's a lot of like jokes about the guy being a small Asian man. Like, there's a lot of those jokes. Okay. I don't know if people if people would let that fly. No, I think they wouldn't, and I think that's like something that you can let go. I think, um, like there are other gags to be had there. Thankfully, Ken Jong made like the best career out of you know what i mean like he's yeah to be so much more which i think is oh really yeah cool. i watch him on that uh show with the masked people yes this mask singer and also like he played a doctor and a bunch of stuff so like he i think has um avoided the like pitfall of constantly playing like into said stereotypes and biases yeah but, never um, let them put you in a never let them put you in a, in a box kids yeah no and he like you know got out of that and i think they i think they wouldn't do it that way again i even think that I don't know them personally, but I happen to feel like someone like Bradley Cooper and uh, Zach Galifianakis, especially with Baskets and how progressive that was. Like, I feel like mm -hmm. if someone was like, yo, we're going to cut these jokes, they'd be like, nah, that seems like a good idea, <laughs> you know? <laughs> like the racial stuff, yeah, I, I get it. But I think, um, yeah, and I think that the same thing that you were saying about, like, I don't know that they can do a hangover is, I think, the perfect segue into, like, the, re the rom-com yeah. have to be dismantled and rebuilt for newer audiences because like we do have to we do have to make a new rom-com because uh, these rom-coms obviously it's male driven and it's not going to be the girl uh driving the relationship it's the guy driving relationship in both of these and borderline stalkerish creepy but you know you we're under this veil that it's a love movie so we're not looking at it through the lens that it's a, a you know this guy's creepy you change the music and some of those scenes and it becomes a horror film Yes, absolutely. And also, um, there's a lot of like things that we now have terms for things. Like when I first started uh, dating, they didn't have gaslighting wasn't a term that like people readily used. You didn't. Like, yeah, I had to I had to learn that term. I, I still is, is it is someone's making you feel dumb? Is that that term? It's essentially like manipulating. So if you're in a situation, say you feel wronged, Franklin, and you're like, hey, I feel wronged. It would be the other person completely manipulating you into believing that you made a mistake. Like, no, no. you Got it. Yeah. Do you get what I mean? So it's like, hey, this is wrong. No, that's all in your head type of deal. Uh, so it's I like, uh, I left a dish in the sink. It's like, no, you no. It's like you left a dish in the sink. It's like, no, you didn't. Okay. Or you left the yeah. dish in the sink. Uh, so whatever. I'm, yeah, no, I'm but done. let's put this into, no, you're not. Let's put this into perspective because I had to learn it this way. You put it into perspective of a relationship. So say you okay. like um, you someone told you that you were going to go out. Then they canceled and they or they didn't even fucking cancel. They just didn't show up. And yeah. you were like, uh, oh, hey, you didn't show up. And that was wrong. And they were like, no, um, actually, you're being touchy. Do you see how that's gaslighting? Because it's like, I'm not admitting. Oh, I'm okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it could be even yeah. like mild things where it's essentially just a form of manipulation, right? So you're like making the other person feel dumb, back to what you said earlier, 
for thinking. Well, and that, and if that's the case, then I've been gaslit ten thousand times because <laughs> I can't tell you how many dates I've set up, and then they just go ghost. They just go dark. Well, no, to gaslight you would be like, actually, I'm a great person, you're, and you're the problem. Like if they'd have told you that, then they're like gaslighting because it's like, nah, man, that's you're literally making up another reality. So that's what it is, <laughs> <laughs> you know. Um, but yeah, and I feel like a lot of like so, um, the psychiatrist part of how to lose a guy in ten days is incredibly bizarre and mean when when she when she goes to the couples therapist mm-hmm. and like so in the movie if y'all haven't seen how to lose a guy in 10 days right so kate hudson it's this rom-com where like kate hudson and matthew mcconaughey essentially are trying to swindle each other for their own reasons they have to stay yes. for 10 days right it's for him it's because he wants to get this advertising contract for her it's because she writes these cutesy little you know, our dating articles. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like Cosmo, which a lot of what you need to understand about this movie is that Cosmo used to be bananas in the like early 2000s uh, um, in its propaganda, kind of like how um, what is the there was a bunch of men's magazines that like how men. GQ how, maybe. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. GQ or like uh, there was. They're like where it was like they would tell you like how to how to land a girl in X. Red book? Yes. So all of these magazines exist. So she writes for one of those magazines and she's going to do how to lose a guy in 10 days. And what is interesting about what she chooses to do um, is that it's all things that are stereotypically things that girls who are annoying do. Do you get what I mean, Franklin? Like mm-hmm. they they go directly for things like, so she has stuffed animals on her bed, which, oh my God, red flag. I would run screaming. <laughs> screaming. If you are an adult and we trying to hook up and you got stuffed animals, if, <laughs> that is so they creepy. Me, they, they probably, and then and then I've had a situation like this before you get into the bedroom with someone and they start using a baby voice. I immediately, yeah. I immediately try so to find a way out of there. The second thing she does, she calls his private parts Princess Sophia. Right. Yep. That's a whole gag. But then he says he wants it to be called Spike, which I argue is a worse name for your Johnson than Princess Sophia. Spike. <laughs> it's just awesome. driving it in there. No, that's what. No. And it's so funny. I'm glad that your mind went there because it's so funny because essentially what the story is, is the feminine versus the masculine, except she's doing yeah. garish interpretation. Right. Of what a uh, um, shitty girlfriend does. She calls it Princess Sophia. She demeans him uh like she questions his sexuality uh at the therapist she buys a dog a chinese crested and they all dress they dress alike which is another thing if i had a partner who was like yo let's dress like each other halloween and that's about (laughs) it you know like (laughs) i've always wanted to do a couple's costume i want to do a couple's costume (sighs) a really good couple's costume is like pop of the top's awesome but it's like i'm not gonna i mean if someone like, yeah, if you had, like, a camel hair jacket and then you were like, oh, and I also think, like, got you one. Like, yeah, that's a nice gesture. But she's literally, like, dressing him exactly the same. Yeah. And uh, the weird thing is, like, for some reason she thinks being a vegetarian is a really bad thing. And, like. I haven't even looked at it through that. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, you're yeah, right. It is kind of like that. Yeah, it's like she she uh, is like, oh, wouldn't a guy really hate it if you didn't eat meat, even though she does eat meat. Um, but yeah, so they, While the Knicks are on and what if we went to this crappy restaurant? Yes. And what if I, uh, I told him I didn't care about the Knicks game, even though I secretly do because aren't the worst girls like that. And so they do this weird thing, but then on the opposite side of that, 
you have uh, Matthew McConaughey uh, running his own game. He's running his own racket. He's uh, just has to stay with her as long to win this bet. Well, he he well, he's he looks through her purse to get intel. That's a red flag. Yes, and he finds the Knicks tickets, and and right. which though, that's why I was telling you earlier that how to lose a guy in ten days would be drastically different in twenty 2020 twenty or twenty twenty one. As long as they followed each other on Instagram, he wouldn't have to look through her purse. She mm. she would embarrass him on Instagram. That would be a real touchy subject, right? She like starts tagging you in mad pictures and like saying hashtag baby, hashtag my love, love of my life. Like it, right? You could rewrite the whole thing for obnoxious. Oh my god! Digital things. Um, oh my god! Don't we can't let this podcast get out because somebody will steal this and write a screenplay about it. But anyway, so they would stalking is removed. That was such a part of rom coms. Right. Yeah. Walking each other to get and tell. You don't need that at all. You literally just use Google and you're like, oh, I know everything about this. But <laughs> well, especially if you're a person like if you do what we do, like somebody that we're talking to could go on our Instagram and be like, oh, this person's a, a clown. Like, you know what I mean? Yes, absolutely. And also too, um, then there's yes. Uh, yeah. You can be like, oh, I you could see the where they've tagged in or pl- pictures they've been tagged and you could see their friends. There's a whole you could just get the whole. But you're totally right. She would go. She would go crazy. She would go bananas and tag him and everything. And he would just be a regular guy's guy. You know what I mean? He'd probably even like uh, post on an Instagram story, maybe like another girl he's hanging out with to try to make her jealous or something like that. Yes. And and also I thought the the most like it's so funny because. Essentially, she's telling you what not to do in a relationship, which is why I thought the vegetarian thing was weird because I was like, all right, whatever. You could date a vegetarian. If y'all in love, I don't care. Who who cares if someone doesn't eat meat? But I think you nailed it when you were like, it's about the infant, the baby voice, the baby. So she does that whole thing. She has the stuffed animals. She does the real baby angle. She calls it Princess Sophia. She talks in baby talk, which is obnoxious as shit. And hate it. She doesn't give him time for his boys. She infringes on polka night, which is a big no. Don't you yep. care? And that goes for both genders. Everybody got to have their friends. Let you let you, you got to have your own space. Absolutely. Yeah. Let your boo hang out. And um, but the ending is weird because so they both find out, right? The jig is up. They both find out that the and other- then they ruin their event for their job, which is you're fired. I mean, yeah. come on. <laughs> she quits. He doesn't get you know he doesn't get his account, and then. Um, she's going to go to DC because the whole time she secretly wanted to be a writer, right? She secretly wanted to be, uh, doing actual journalism instead of these fluff pieces. And, uh, Mm -hmm. he intercepts the cab and convinces her to stay. And they do not acknowledge at all that they've only been together for 10 days. So like, you don't need to stop traffic. You could just call. (laughs) Yeah, He drives that motorcycle and he's running through the, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Like at the end of the day, I think now the reason that rom-coms don't really work is I think now we understand that like falling in love in a weekend is probably not a good idea. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Like a lot of the rom-coms is like, the girls were going out on the town and so were the guys. And that's about these people bumping into each other over the span of a night or a weekend or a week at max. And then by the end of it, they're in love. And I think like millennials are too aware. We're like, nah, son, like I want to know a little bit more about you. you know? Yeah. Oh yeah. Like I, I'd probably have to date someone for like two years before I even thought about being engaged to them. Yes. And the thing we were talking about earlier, which we need to bring up is the McConaughey Staten Island accent. 
I was wanting to talk about this. Absolutely. Okay. So this is a really big scene in the movie because she's getting on the ferry. They're going to meet his parents. And he is McConaughey. I'm looking at a poster of him in my room right now from We Are Marshall. Not even kidding. And so so it. he's like, he's like, yo, Andy, we're going to go to my parents' place. It's going to be a cool time. We're going to play this card game no one understands. All right. And then they get there. And then she, the family likes her because she's give, she's jabbing. You know what I mean? She's jabbing. And uh, he wins the card game because he's the best. And he's McConaughey. And it's the masculine. He has to win everything. But uh, isn't there that scene where they play that, like, Kiss Me song or whatever, and they're making out in the bathroom? Is that there? Yes. So they okay. get hit with a, a whole puddle of, like, they go for a, a ride on the boardwalk at Staten Island. And, like, he – so it's it's the part of the movie where they're like, are, are we maybe really in love? Like This you, is – mind you, mind you, this is, like, day five. Yes, yes. And it's like, – <laughs> they, they both are – Mind you, she's going from being a literal crazy person to meeting your parents in three days. Yes, right? And, and like, fitting right in. Even though she bought you a Chinese crested dog, y'all just met, you're dressing the same. She got stuffed animals, the whole shebang, right? You had to go see Celine Dion instead of the Knicks. Remember that? Yes. And then, yeah. And, but what's weird. Oh, she was being a jerk at the Knicks game. Yes. She was being a jerk at the Knicks game. And then also, like, um, I don't know that, like, the first time we really hook up, I wanted to be at my parents' house. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, they're trying to make it, like, so, like, intimate and they're playing the music and it's slow like it's not like a quick one two skip to my loo like hookup like oh, it's slow it's sensual essentially a love making session in your parents bathroom yeah nah i'm a pal no. yeah but i mean and then you know but mcconaughey as a staten islander is hilarious because his accent is which is you know the texan comes out do they explain wow. that origin story at all do they say his parents moved there like or like what's the deal there the weirdest part is if you move to New York, you would definitely Staten Island's like the pl a place you're from. It's not a place you move to. So even if really? they did have an origin story, Staten Island is like um a very like people who live on Staten Island, they are from Staten Island. I don't know if you know okay. people is like that or towns like that. Where it's like you don't really get people moving in and being like, Oh, I'm gonna stay in Staten Island. Now they're developing it more. So like uh, you know, because New York is running out of space. So people are right to places like Brooklyn or Queens or Long Island, Staten Island. But um, yeah, at the time, it would be very odd for them to be from somewhere else and be like, we're going to settle down in Staten Island. But I mean, they <laughs> I believe it. I like McConaughey, you know, so I believe he's from Staten Island. I Yeah, again, I, I'm literally typing stuff into Google as I do this to try to figure out like, like what the story is on that or whatever. But all we know is, because uh, like, who... Like he he lives in New York and now he's this big Knicks fan and like he's a city guy and everybody knows him in the city. But it's like I what was his origin story? He just worked for that agency selling like diamonds or something like that where you go frost yourself. That was the yeah. big saying. Yeah, he um it was uh he worked for in a, in advertising and they had land. advertising for like diamonds and he said go frost yourself. Yes, and what's funny is you know what I was just thinking about. Imagine you you roll up to your your parents' crib and you got the new boo. And they're like, oh, okay, we're gonna play cards together. Well, cool. So um, tell me um, how long have you guys been uh together? And it's like uh since Thursday. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, I I have, I've watched that movie at least like I don't know uh, ten times or whatever. I just can't get enough of it and. Uh, Again, I'm a sucker for McConaughey movies. Uh, I don't know. Is that would you, would you say that's your favorite McConaughey movie? Oh, McConaughey. I really like Dazed and Confused. 
Um, okay. See, I haven't gotten into that. Yeah, I really like Dazed and Confused, and I like it when he's playing a Texan just because Texans are so hilarious and wonderful. I know, like, we have associations with, like, certain presidents being from Texas, but, like, when you meet a regular Texan, they can be some of the most fun. Texas culture is hilarious. It's like a... Yeah, truly. It's like its whole own whole country, almost. Like, people used... They jokingly say in Texas that they're going to secede, and it's like, Texans are big and... and uh, and some of our greatest actors are Texans. Look at Tommy Lee Jones, the Texan. Uh, McConaughey's the Texan. A lot of the great uh, male actors, I feel like, are Texans. So yeah. I like him in a lot of stuff. I um, It's Interstellar. I, I love Interstellar. Yeah, and I also love that he can do rom-coms and that he'll be, like, in a big action movie. He could do it all. That he'll be in, like, a Dallas Buyers Club. He's very versatile. Yeah. Um, funny. I mean, I know a, a ton of stuff about the guy's life because whenever I'm really fixated on something or somebody I like, I have to know like everything about them. It's kind of weird. I don't know if that's a stalker thing, but uh, so like he was doing all those rom-coms and everything, but he was wanting to make a switch into making more serious movies. And he took a couple years off and uh, and they offered him like six times in a row. They offered him each time with more money. They want you to do this rom-com, rom-com, rom-com. And he's like, no. I'm done. And finally, like, I think he started getting those roles where he was doing more serious stuff. And I'm trying, I'm going to look up what the first role was. It might've been in that movie, Bernie. Uh, but he started doing these more, I don't know, serious things to try to change his image. And then, you know, two years after that, he takes two years off. And then two years after he wins uh, the Oscar for uh, Dallas Buyers Club. Yeah. And I love that level of commitment. to so like, nah, I want, and we were talking about that, like reevaluating what you're doing artistically and be like, nah, I don't want to, he could have made so much money being in Brown. He's still, and you know, he's held up like many, he looks about as handsome as he did. I actually, I actually just bought his book recently. Yeah. Yeah. So like he's, he is not one of those, uh, rom-com stars who like lost his hair or looks different. He's like kept fit. So. Okay. So, uh, not to interrupt, but 2009, he did ghost of girlfriends past, which was, uh, not that great, but I've watched it a thousand times. <laughs> and then, and then, uh, two years later, he comes up with Lincoln lawyer, killer Joe, Bernie, uh, the paper boy mud. Uh, he was a magic Mike. And then 2013, Dallas Buyers Club and 2014 True Detective and Interstellar. So he was on like an absolute tear there for like five years oh, after he did yeah. the rom com. He's so good in um, Magic Mike as the like semi villain, and it's such a he's a villain in that movie. He is like the manipulator. He's the gaslighter. He's the one that like wow. They're like we're not making enough money. He's like nah, y'all are making enough money. What are you talking about? You know, and it's <laughs> he's taking the money, but um, he's yeah, he's really good in uh Magic Mike. Like so much so that like I think the average woman was like I loved Magic Mike because of the bodies, and I was like yo, but Matthew McConaughey is a villain because I'm a nerd. <laughs> I like, I've definitely seen it. I've definitely seen Magic Mike strictly for McConaughey, but it, I don't remember him that much. He he should be in it more. Like it should yeah. be less about the stripping and more about this like manipulative stripper, which is hilarious. You know, <laughs> manipulative stripper. Give, <laughs> yeah, the role they give women and they gave it to McConaughey and he kills it. <laughs> Oh, man. All right. Enough about McConaughey. We can talk about him forever. We do have to get to the second movie because I'm sure we'll we'll talk about this for the remainder. But uh, so the other movie we wanted to talk about today and how we this one, I think, more so than the other one would not get made today because of uh, what dating and, and what, you know, standard issue culture is like now. And uh, Pretty Woman with Richard Gere and uh, Julia Roberts, who is a literal angel. She descended from heaven to make this movie. I love Julia Roberts. 
when I tell you that she is just so incredibly beautiful, like in this Gorgeous. movie, like it's so crazy because nobody has ever looked like her before or after. Do you get what I mean? Like it's just like sometimes you have this uh female or like just movie star that like just breaks the mold. You know what I mean? Like so That's a good point. So many people tried to be her. You know, they try to have the nice toothy smile and they were like, nah, only Julia can do this shit. Well, she had this like Auburn, this like Auburn hair. You don't ever see that. No, no. And it's funny because it's like, uh, it, it's not a, you can tell it's not a, like it's natural. The look, her whole look, top to bottom, she's just, she doesn't have to change her hair color. She didn't have like any crazy augmentation on her body done. She comes across as just a beautiful, like you said, she fell from heaven. This little sweet baby angel. Literally descended from heaven. I mean, this is I I'm looking up photos now, so I so I just get that visual image in my mind. This is this is top five most gorgeous women in history. I mean, yeah, my God. Definitely. Like at the time, like that was considered the most beautiful woman in the world when she was in Did she win? Did she win those remember those magazines? It's like world's sexiest man. Like did she win that for yeah. women? Yeah, she won like sexiest woman. I think she was the first that people did. If they ever did the uh gender one, it used to be sexiest man and sexiest woman. I think she was one of the first like they she was a big old deal but i mean the movie works mostly the movie is flawed but it works so well because of the chemistry between them and how in the chemistry she has with the camera and the audience you want yeah. her to win so much you know like you want her to do well um she's charming she's funny uh she has good timing so i wish that movie frankly, wish here's a take working. here's a take for you that movie is the PG American Psycho. Okay, I like where you're going with this. See, so uh, unpack that, and I'm going to tell you what I think my version of that is. Okay, go Richard ahead. Richard Gere, uh -huh. crazy successful businessman, much like Patrick Bateman. We don't really know what he does. Bateman mergers and acquisitions. This guy just buys things. They always talk about in that movie. Because in that movie, he's having this struggle with his job. He's like, well, yeah, but we don't make anything. We just buy things. Bateman doesn't really do anything. He just is there. Okay? Again, stupid amounts of money. Very handsome men. They always uh, dress to the nines. Always. They're very serious, and they're very slow and methodical in their demeanor. They know what they're doing at every single moment. Of Like, any word that comes out of their mouth is thought of to the 10th degree they know where they're going with it and the only difference between richard Gere and patrick bateman is that patrick bateman will murder these prostitutes and richard Gere falls in love with them <laughs> i love this this you just you won me over i like you I, i'm giving this essay an a plus this is yes. hilarious yes. that was i like i i do agree there is a sociopathy right like a detachment from real emotion the whole thing he's is that just, he's gears gear is controlling her every move buying her clothes making her like stay up in this penthouse like giving her you know oh my gosh i but mean also it, like the whole setup you're right is like she keeps bumping into women who are like he doesn't emote he doesn't know how to love like he's just a uh, um oh he works hard that's it he only makes money right yeah. just, no one knows what bateman does and it's like he's just there i like this so my theory is pretty woman was a script that already existed about a man and a prostitute and then disney bought it so it is the closest we'll ever get to a disney princess movie but live action because wow. it has the same arc which is like um it's almost like the aladdin arc in a way and or and or, which is funny because i've never considered that jasmine is not she's an actual princess but in many ways aladdin has the 
a random thought, but he goes from like rags to riches, which is usually what happens to the princesses, right? Like Cinderella. So yeah. it's just a, a, a live action Cinderella with, and I am going to preface it for to cover us both because I think I know Franklin he good people and he would never no disrespect <laughs> to sex workers you have to acknowledge that now you wouldn't call a sex worker a prostitute or like a hooker and they do all the time in the movie do you get what I wait, mean I'm not a, wait that's a bad word well no you would but what I'm saying is we now understand we have a completely different understanding of sex work in 2021 than oh, I'm supposed to say, okay I'm not supposed to say prostitute I'm supposed to say sex worker yes but like okay that's on me so back in the day, like when pretty, I'm Wolf- reading. It says she's a free spirited Hollywood prostitute. That's what I read. I apologize. I mean. No, no, but it, but that's what I'm saying. It's just like I don't think they would make Pretty Woman now because I think they'd have to approach her prostitution from a completely different angle. Do you get what I mean? No, like- pretty Woman, Pretty Woman. Now they would dumb it down so much. It would be some rich YouTube guy and an OnlyFans <laughs> girl. That's it. <laughs> Oh my God, two for two, Franklin. They're gonna listen to this podcast and they're gonna make both those movies. <laughs> it's a it's a rich YouTube guy and an OnlyFans girl. It's it's not maybe not even YouTube guy. Maybe it's just Elon Musk and an OnlyFans girl. That's it. Yeah. Well, okay. But see, what's funny? Yes, but that. Oh my God, no. Now I'm laughing because this is. Her. But so the one thing. So that aside. So like my limited knowledge of what you know, I wouldn't. I just mean this as like, I would never want to offend someone who was a sex worker. So I'm going to talk about pretty woman from the perspective as a, an eighties, nineties baby. And from that time. Um, and also as just from the context of the movie, the thing I thought was weird about watching it again. Now this was a hugely popular movie. Everyone loved Julia Roberts. She was America's sweetheart, which is why she yep. was in the movie America's sweetheart. Cause that was the gag, right? Um, <laughs> She was America's sweetheart. Everybody wanted her to be in every movie ever, you know, like that she won the Oscar for Evan Brockovich. She was just this very well-respected actress who started out in yep. rom-coms. And this rom-com is bananas in its concept. The concept is this incredibly rich man who barely knows how to drive a car because that's how rich he is, right? <laughs> so he gets into a car. He gets lost in a, um in the strip, right, in L.A. And uh, he picked... He, he asked for directions from a prostitute who was the stunningly beautiful Julia Roberts and no shade to streetwalkers of that era. But there's no way you're picking up. You know what I mean, Franklin? I know what you're saying without saying it. There's no yeah. way. There's no way she's going to be as cute as a button, right? So she, she, hops, she hops in the hoopty and she, she knows about cars, right? That's the first thing she flexes. Also, stunningly beautiful outfit. I'm in the minority here in that the whole gag with Pretty Woman is that he gives her money and she gets better dressed. I thought she was better dressed as a hooker because that outfit. I'm in the same. I watched that movie last week on Lifetime by myself. Uh, <laughs> And and I saw her outfit. I was like, "This look at this drip. Yeah, She's flashy. That's, that's, and then she goes into like Gucci and Chanel, and they're like, we don't have anything for you. It's like, what? <laughs> She's stunningly beautiful throughout. But she gets into the car, and he is like, what? They don't really explain, which is funny because this lends so much to your American psycho angle. They don't explain that he's like, I guess, bored, right, with being rich. Like, he's looking... He's playing of- a game with human lives, with, with women. He's Patrick Bateman. 
They have a no kissing rule during sex. That's Patrick Bateman saying, we're not through yet, and grabbing a hanger. That's it. Yes. So, and the one thing that, like, so she gets in the car, and then he takes her for the night, and at first, he's just like, you're right, he's just, like, fucking around with her. Like, he's just like, how hilarious. I bought this hooker here. She's so blown away. I'm so rich. And (laughs) then, right? Then she's like, hey, you want to, like, do something? And at first, he's like, nah, like, let's just talk, right? And then they're talking, and then, you know, they hook up. But it's established, as Franklin said, that they do not kiss on the mouth because that's the rule that her homegirl Kit taught her. There's no kissing. There's no kissing allowed. Um, Jason Alexander plays the villain, which is interesting. And we can get to that later because he does a not good thing at the end. Yes, yes. So then she starts to, then you do your classic, once again, uh, Disney princess angle. She gets money. She starts dressing up. She starts to feel more secure in herself. Uh, he romances her, right? They have these. Yeah, the hotel staff falls in love with her like the toy or like the, the animals did in Snow White or something. I don't know. Yes, exactly. Everything around her starts to realign. Yeah, very Snow White, right? Like uh, she has helpers like the, the dwarves and uh, also the mice and Cinderella. So she has these helpers. They make her they give her what is considered better drip but as franklin and i said is not at all no she's swag turned to the max (laughs) yes so then the problem becomes and this is a very common issue that they could have done well but it's just an interesting trope and i think that's what made the movie relatable to people is even though she is a prostitute his co-worker said like he he richard gear fucks up and is like, oh yeah, she's a call girl. That's why you don't know her. She goes, well, I, I was having a hard time understanding that part of the movie last time I watched it because it was like, he almost like snapped. He's like, yeah, she's a hooker. But like, he's falling for her. But then he says that. He's like, yeah. she's a hooker. You know what I mean? Yes. And then, so what ends up happening is Jason Alexander's character uses that, like he puts the fear in him that he's like, oh, well, how do you know she's not just like screwing everybody? Which is a weird thing because he found her the way they met is so crazy. Like there's no way. And she, he assures, you know, he tells Jason Alexander, Richard Gere is like, nah, there's no way people know her. Like she's, but it still implants in him this weird, like toxic feeling that like she's a hooker and like less valuable, which um never really resolved you just he just finally admits that he's in love with her right so towards the end Mm -hmm. the big move and this is the one thing that i found like incredulously unbelievable we're supposed to believe that she struggled so much right and that she deserves more which is a common thread in these um like fairy tales right and then she is so insulted by him because he told everyone that uh she was a hooker, or not everyone, his homeboy. And what that resulted in is the homeboy tried to attack her. He assaults her. Right. Um, she leaves the money. Remember at the, like, right, in the, not at the end, end, but she's just like, he's like, here, she's like, that's it. I'm fucking leaving. And then, yeah. like, here's your money. She kept, she kept the clothes, mind you. Yes. And she boats. And I was like, nah. Like, if I'm supposed to believe that she struggled that hard, I kind of wish they'd shown it in another way where she let him know. Because not taking the money is then, like, I don't know. She worked for that. She earned that money. You know what I yeah, mean? Totally. I, I thought it was a really weird choice. But yes, so they show her and they go through great lengths to establish that Viv, uh, Julia Roberts character, doesn't have a job, um, doesn't have a pimp, right? Like they she's her own woman. She's an independent woman, independent prostitute. Um, so they do those things I think will get which is, which is bananas to me. I didn't even know that exists. She's like uh for for the fellas out there, 
you know Notre Dame in college football, they're not in a conference? That's her, okay? <laughs> She's not in a conference. She works at her – she can uh, get traded wherever she pleases. So, yes, exactly. at the end, um, they make each other better. He, of course, gives her – uh, you know, she can stop hooking and also she uh, he loves her. And then for him, he was you just pointed out he was a sociopath and she makes him human. She makes him approachable to people. Yeah. But like as in their, you know, time being spent together where they're reading that book in San Francisco in the park and it's all cute and stuff like that. And he puts off going to the meetings and she can't eat snails because I guess she just never learned how. Uh, and she. What's the thing? She she wants to do something, right? Isn't there a thing where she like says she can be something or be somebody yeah. and do something? So here's where they muck up their message because you got to choose one or the other, right? So okay. like if she leaves the pile of money, which is showing him that there is no price on her actual love. Um, there's no price. He, could, he couldn't buy the time he spent. She spent real time with him. Right. It would it would cheapen their experiences together. Mm -hmm. She then gives a monologue where she says that when she was a little girl, she always dreamt of being rescued by a knight in shining armor. And she is going uh. to do nothing less than that. So this encourages him to buy her the quarter of a million dollar necklace, which was a big thing in it. So they do this weird thing where I feel like the necklace, that's that's the part where she wears that ruby necklace, is an announcement. And he puts it on her hand and she's like, honey, honey. <laughs> exactly right that's the like apparently they did that scene uh between takes and they kept it in because he scared her for real like he made her laugh for real yeah. uh, which is really sweet because it's a very endearing classic moment in the movie everybody but, knows that scene <laughs> <laughs> because that's what we love about julia you know like that's that's what people love is that that toothy smile uh but yeah so she tells him like i'm above your money but then he rose up to the crib with the fucking necklace and she's like, I guess I'm not that above your money. And they go up. <laughs> so it's like, in that respect, the movie makes no sense. You know, like watching it now, I was like, well, that's illogical. Cause it's like, she goes through great pains to establish that she's independent and she's only going to take life on her terms. And then he, he comes by and he conquers his fear of heights, which is the, yep, that's the thing. The fear of Mind you, the clothes she's wearing in that scene are also uh, incredible. And it's like, you, so I think she's talking to her homegirl and she's like, I'm going to take my GED when I get home. I think that's what she said, right? Yeah, she's like, I'm going back home. I'm a, I'm a do right by my, cause he, well, first of all, she's stunningly beautiful. She's, she's got, and I don't mean to objectify. She's like funny, got a smoking hot bod. So like he keeps telling her, right? Like they make him seem like such a hero for being like Viv. I believe you can be more like, of course you can be more than a prostitute. What are you doing? Crazy lady. Like, and it's, it's not necessarily that's that ba it's bad, but they make it seem like she's in this very dire situation. Her roommates on drugs, right? Kids on yeah. Coke. Um, they don't have any money. They can't pay rent. So then she gets with him and you know, they're off into the sunset and there's a weird thing. They have a homeless or a, they have like a vagrant, like a guy from the strip walk by at the end, end of the he's movie. like, that's L.A., baby. Yeah, where dreams come true. And it's like, as much as I love Richard Gere, Julia Roberts, and Pretty Woman, were we really selling this story to teenage girls? <laughs> like, <go laughs> you, to too, you too can be a, a, a toot on the street and find love. 
Yes. And then marry a really rich guy and have every single one of your beautiful teeth. Like, there's no way, you know, like, <laughs> and that's the thing that like, I think that like watching it now, I mean, is it a, do I get why it works? Absolutely. There's not a single scene in it. Take note, people who make movies now. I feel like movies are a little too long. There is not a single scene in Pretty Woman that doesn't push the narrative forward or uh, isn't funny or entertaining. You know what I mean? Like, it's a zippy, beautiful rom That's a really good point. That's a really yeah. good point. And, and you have, uh, obviously, a better film knowledge than I do, so you can look at it through that lens. And, and that's really interesting. Now, looking back on it, it's like, that totally makes sense. You know what I mean? It's also, like, for the time, very sexually forward. Like, there's a whole scene where Viv... Uh, doesn't have underwear on and says as Is much. That the bathtub scene? No, that it's right before like when they're going up to his room and she's got the trench coat and the blonde wig and like an old lady is waiting in the fancy hotel and gives her a dirty look and uh, Viv uh, go, says something about not wearing panties and then sits down and, and spreads her legs and they the it's you know it's a PG thirteen so it's like they don't show the top of her, you know, they only show the top of her. Um, and then the woman gasps and doesn't get on the elevator. And then <laughs> later, my favorite line in the movie as an adult woman was there's a scene where, um, because Richard Gere is like, uh, you know, a ladies man and a sociopath and a serial killer as Franklin established. He's Patrick Bateman. He's Patrick Bateman. Uh, one of the girls is like, she bumps into this, these women at the polo, uh, game that's polo yeah they'll do it's a polo game is it that they're at polo match polo match and uh she the woman goes oh so i guess you're his new woman and julia roberts without missing a beat looks at him and says yeah i'm just using him for the sex which is hilarious (laughs) (laughs) that's really good that's really quick i didn't even think about that and in a 90s yeah like that's funny and like at the time the women really didn't say shit like that so i think that's why people love the movie because she's this girl that eats with her hands she's really stunningly beautiful but she's also like she's tough you know and there's yeah. like, even her friend uh kit there's a scene where like an old lady staring at her and she's like for 50 dollars, hey old man for 50 dollars, we can have a go for 75 i'll let your wife watch it's crazy in a- <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so I mean, I, I enjoyed it, but yeah, I think they couldn't make it now because it's punching down in many ways, you know, like, oh man, sucks to be, sucks to be a sex worker. You better find a rich guy to fix your life. You know, like, yeah, there's all, yeah. I actually didn't think about that. Think about it in that sense. That that actually make it a lot tough because you know, you, you're not allowed to talk bad about any profession whatsoever. And I understand. And that's the modern game, but, uh, yeah, I, I highly doubt they'd make that. Yeah. And I mean, but do I think it's a classic film? And also it's a classic theme. Like uh, recently I had to watch Breakfast at Tiffany's because I'd never seen it. And like Breakfast at Tiffany's is a a very similar story. Holly Golightly, Audrey Hepburn plays a, um, at the time, you know, it's the 60s. So like an escort is all they'll call her. Yeah. You know, she's an escort. And every college girl, every college girl that was kind of cute I know, I knew of, and maybe they were in a sorority. They had that breakfast at Tiffany's like poster, or maybe they dressed up as her for like Halloween one year. Yes, because it's it's absolutely proto Sex in the City. It's like pre like it's it's about <laughs> a country girl, right? Or it's about a woman who moves to the city. Uh, um, you know, breakfast at Tiffany's. To me, the most notable thing in, is uh, Givenchy does the uh, costuming. So she's it, like the drip is disgusting. Like it's highly illogical <laughs> that this escort. <laughs> Would be wearing she the the opening scene is her eating a croissant uh, outside of the Tiffany's window in a full gown. You know, like it's just like yeah. she's in 
She lives in this super, and that's why I think women, um, even girls who haven't seen the movie, they love it because they see that image. It's like a classic image, you know, like of Audrey Hepburn. She was like so stylish. It's the perfect mix of like, uh, you know, elegance, but also like, like I'm not here to mess around. Like I'm, I'm cool too. You know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. She like, um, the big thing is not just the dress; it's the cigarette holder. You know, like a woman smoking. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It's the it's the uh, balance, the balance of the two things. Yes, and uh, so yeah, and that is a trope. Sweet charity. I've never seen that, but I believe sweet charity is a similar uh, storyline. They did that a lot. You know, where a rich guy meets a poor girl, and then he he makes her into this um, acceptable societal woman, and she changes him for the better. You know? But now I'm uh, now I'm curious for like you as far as like dating goes, you being the cinephile person, does it make like in all these rom coms you've watched, has there ever been a situation where you like wanted to have a relationship that was similar to one of these rom coms, or do you think they're all terrible relationships? Um. So, as much as earlier I said that like you couldn't fall in love in a short amount of time, the crazy thing about like when you get on with someone, like when you get along with someone, someone makes you laugh. It's that perfect mixture of like, um, you know, uh, you love hanging out together. You're attracted to one another. There is nothing in the world better than that. You know what I mean? So you believe that there's these crazy people drive to Vegas, get married. Was it a good idea? No, we're not saying that. But do we understand? Shotgun wedding? Yeah. Yeah. Do we understand in the moment where they were? Yes, because I think if we were lucky enough, you're all afforded that like crazy um and when I say crazy, I don't mean like mental illness. I mean like just like woo, loopy, like <laughs> Looney Tunes. Yeah, we're in love. Oh my god, this is crazy. Um, I do think that, as you mentioned earlier, there is a danger of in movies when they pass off toxic behavior as romantic. I was once in a relationship where it took me a minute to realize that the person was overstepping their boundaries of control because the whole uh -huh. time I just thought he was just being extremely romantic because that's what the movies taught me, right? Like when a person wants to hang out with you every single day, isn't that romantic? They can only think of you. You take their breath away. That, that, no, that's so unhealthy. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I love a good romance. Um, it was funny that we were talking about, you know, um, I just recently watched Ghost. You watched Top Gun. I love all those movies that have those scenes where, like, the two people finally hook up. That's the greatest. Those are the best. And when they do it well, they play a good song. And oh, then take my breath away. Exactly, right? So I get it. But also, I just think, and that's why uh, maybe that was what ended the rom-com, is, like, we got to stop showing certain behaviors that are definitely inappropriate as, like, yeah. funny and or cute or quirky. Like, you have shit where, like, pre-internet where you can find out more about people like me lying or looking through your shit in your room or sneaking. No, none of that is good. Please don't. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, so there's that. Um, but yeah, I've always, uh, the one thing that rom-coms have sold me on is, uh, I'm very much a person who loves to create experiences. So like, even if I like, I am on pretty good terms with almost everybody I've dated, like with the exception of like one person who was super toxic, but like, so yeah. I always love that I can still talk to them. Like we'll still be friends or we'll still catch up. And then it'll be like, Oh man, remember that one time we went to that dive bar and we, you know, played pool all night and we gambled against these guys. And then we lost, but then we left and we had hot dogs after like, I think <laughs> rom-coms tainted my view of the world and that I always want to have these awesome nights, you know, oh. like, I, I fall victim to that too. Yeah. <laughs> where it's like, Oh, we're having fun. Shit. Let's, 
let's get in the car and drive to another place and have fun. You want to do this thing? Like, I know it's it's a movie very much about, and I think actually it's a good movie to bring up, uh, Eternal Sunshine. One of the things I love about Eternal Sunshine is that it's That's about- the Jim Carrey one, right? Yes. It's about the good and bad of relationships. It, okay. It's like, uh, they're remembering both at the same time. Cause it's about the, the deletion of memories in the narrative. So it's like for every one great memory they have, they also have like another one that wasn't so great, but it's a more realistic painting of what, of course you have those favorite restaurants or like, you know, those wonderful nights where like, especially in New York, you know, you're, you're living the rom-com in the place where they shoot most rom-coms. So it's oh, like, yeah. I've had that night where I've gotten dancing uh, at a club until the sun came up and then walked home with like my homegirls or like the person I was seeing and then like cracked up while we were on the train. And it's like, oh yeah, this is the thing. So it's like, that's the one thing that I hope stay persists about the rom-com where it yeah. like shows how awesome having fun. And especially now in the pandemic, like you miss those things you see in like rom-coms, uh, you know, like just being at a bar or like going for a walk or seeing something beautiful. And like, that's always very dope. Um, yeah. And I'm an elite dater. Like I love going on dates. Again, I love experiencing things. I like, I can't tell you how many like times I've uh, like anytime I've dated a girl, like I'd come up with this list in my mind of like they, where I'm at located geographically. And it's like, okay, what can I do this day or this day or this day? And it's like, I like to have experiences and share moments with people. That's a big thing for me. Yes. And I think that's like, and also the best is, and that's the only thing I think that like sometimes some romantic comedies do a little too much. Like, um, with like capitalism like i hate when the romantic comedies also tie in you can tell that they're like trying to get you to buy like they almost um a lot of sexes in the city did this it's like he'll only love you if he buys you manolo blahniks or that really expensive bag or oh my god isn't that so romantic he bought you this thing please let's step away from shit like that like remember when the whole tiffany's thing was the thing like the all all girls wanted to get the aqua box or whatever the the aqua Tiffany box. Yeah, so I do think that, like, sometimes uh, rom-coms do that too much. But, no, I absolutely love um, in any rom-com where they have a really dope date. And, like, I think that would be, if I wrote a rom-com, my favorite scene would be the meet-cute. Like, how fun is that to write, you know? Like, what? My favorite scene would be the montage. It'd be, like, day three, four, and five. And, they're like, great music's playing and they're doing a bunch of stuff. Oh, see, but I know. So there you go. That's why I love about like rom-coms and date culture. Like they, they go, they do go hand in hand. Also, I think a lot of those nineties rom-coms showed you that it is more experiential. It's not just about a fancy restaurant. It's also about some crazy shit you did. Like, you know, like there's people who, I mean, I've never have, and I don't know that I wouldn't now, but it's like, you know, there's people who go like skydiving different, you know, like, it's just like, they want to yeah. do. Something. Yeah. yeah. You know? uh, and that's cool, you know? Uh, but yeah, I think, no, Perfect example. You so you're gonna do the montage into it. I like it. Yeah, I uh, well, like. I'm trying to think of like maybe like a craziest like first date I've been on. I'm so tame and mild manner when it comes to the first date because like maybe I am Richard Gear and maybe I am like a weirdo because like I might pay for a prostitute but just talk to him all night and like get to know everything about them. Maybe, geez. But that's also I don't know if you remember Catching the Rye. Holden also does that. Like he like tries to like. He gets in, enmeshed with a, a prostitute briefly in the book and, like, f- screws it up because he gets, like, he just starts talking. You know what I mean? And the girl's like, hey, what is it, bub? You know, it's not like cool. <laughs> um, but, no, I think talking super- I'm a big softy. I'm a big softy. I got a big heart. So it's like I like talking to people. 
Talking is very important. And if I could recommend a romantic movie, it's very old. Uh, um, it's called The Apartment with Shirley MacLaine and Jack Lemmon. And it has some of the best talking in a rom-com ever. I love, um, I love romantic comedies when they go back and forth. Not, not bickering, but you know, when they both give each other zings, I think nothing is cooler than when you have good joke chemistry on a date. And I think mm. a lot of dates, and I, I know that's hard. Like not everybody is that type of quick funny, but I do think it's a, a great indicator. Have you ever made a joke on a date and then uh, they didn't laugh at all and you're like reevaluating whether or not you're going to get along? <laughs> oh yeah oh yeah like we'll be sitting and watching tv or something like that and, and somebody will make a like i'll see i'll watch a local commercial and i'll say something bananas like why would they say that when they should have said this it, wouldn't you think that's funnier and then they're like no i don't care about the local uh heating and cooling commercial and then i'm like okay well i'm dead yes and i think also too just to get a good like that's the cool thing about a rom-com is that they're written by clever people. So 90% of the conversations they have in rom-coms are like super uber clever, you know, like, and that's so like, by back and forth, back and forth. You don't mean uh, by back and forth. You mean like being able to like carry each other's like, like yes. And like be able to joke with each yeah. other. Or what do you mean? And also like, okay, so this has happened multiple times. Conversation should flow naturally, but I have absolutely been on a date where I've asked somebody a question. They've answered it. And then they are not, they, they, I'm playing tennis with myself you know what i mean like the ball's oh, not oh yeah back. and then i am always like all right cool then maybe i should talk less but they're like no go on and it's just like they have um they don't ask you about yourself or they don't um gear the conversation anywhere interesting i think what i love in the rom-coms is they almost always know exactly what to say because it's written it's a script that's you know? true that's very but, true uh, but i do love when you find that kind of synergy with someone you know like you can yeah you can talk to someone online and, and, and even in DMs and fucking slay, absolutely make each other crack up. You know, it's like, yep. it's about chemistry. Um, I do think though, the one thing that was interesting about, and it relates still to your bit about Instagram is when I was doing online dating, which was a while ago before I did comedy, even the, it was always so strange to me, people, the number one thing I got, when I walked into whatever bar venue place was the guys would always go, Oh my God, you look just like your pictures. And it's because I would only put realistic pictures of myself. Me too. I hate the fake photos. Yes. I, I, hate, I hate the fake photos. And I have to tell you, man, maybe the new rom-com will be about someone putting up a super fake photo. I don't know. But like people put up some crazy shit that is not their life. Don't do that. That is a bad way to start. I had, one of my worst dates I've ever been on was in downtown Philly. And this girl, looked incredible on the photos back when I was doing the online dating and I showed up to her, you know, her dwelling, her place. And she looked nothing like the, per and I immediately thought of a way to get out of there. How do I get out of here? Yes. And that's not your fault. You're not, you're not supposed to do that. You can't, you know, like, I don't know, but yes. So that's just a, that was a thing that I noticed. And even like, uh, you could have like, uh, you message each other, uh, like when you do online dating and then yeah. it could be, it sound great. And then you meet them and you never even know. It gets crazy. Sometimes they have a crazy voice. Imagine. Oh, or a bad laugh. Hate a bad laugh. Or or just a weird, like a monotone. There's so many factors at play. So <laughs> anything, the one thing I will say is like, be honestly, unabashedly you from the start. Right? Yeah. Well, and the thing is, it's like, again, I love talking to them so much. And you, and you were talking about being able to go back and forth. Ladies, listen. 
it is so easy, and this is not just for me, this is for any guy like me. It is so easy if you are if he's talking to you and he's asking you questions about you, 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 it's so easy for you to follow that up with da-da-da-da-da and you and ask him about him, and then he thinks, oh my God, this girl can play ball. She knows how to talk to people. And then you're good. Yes, absolutely. Definitely ask the same question back. And or um, also, you know, this is the reason y'all have to talk on the first couple of days is because you can find out very quickly whether or not this person is a huge giant red flag, right? Like you can- It's a literal psycho, you know? (laughs) So like if it's it's not jiving on on the talking side. But yeah, so that's like- to me, it's just, I love, my favorite things about the rom-coms is the meet cute, the talking, you know. So that's what I always try to find. And the one thing- The I'm meet cute? You keep saying that. What is that? Meet cute. It's like the weird way that they bump into each other. That's the that's what they call that. Oh, see, like, here you go with this film logic. The meet cute. I like that. Cute. Yes, that's, um, so for them, it would be um, at the bar, right? The, for how to, how to lose a guy in 10 days. It's them at the bar. He goes up. She has to find a guy. She, um, he has to find a woman, uh, but he's instigated by the advertising exec. And the meet cute and pretty woman is she climbs into the car to give him directions. So okay, I got a meet cute for you. I got a meet cute for you. Okay, um, guy at a bar, girl bartending. Uh, he's not. They're not really paying attention to each other. He is a regular though. He does to come there often, but they're not on a good term where they can like just joke around with each other. He gets accidentally like punched in the face from a fight that he has no part of. Like somebody accidentally hits him. He gets knocked out. She puts ice on his face to like, I don't know, like help his swelling on his eye. And then that's there. Is that a meet cute? That Boom. That's a meet cute. Wow. I could write these rom-coms. I absolutely write these rom-coms. He didn't even throw a punch. He just got accidentally knocked out by a chair or bottle. I love this. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, Maybe she accidentally knocks him out trying to break up the fight. Even meet cuter. <laughs> that is meet cuter. This is, oh my gosh, we should, yo, next time you're on, next time you're on, we will just literally, let's like try to create a rom-com. We're going to write the rom-com. Maybe um, not even necessarily that, but like we could storyboard a good rom-com. I th- we're going to do, we're going to have an elevator pitch, Franklin. Then we just, <laughs> <laughs> like Julia Roberts, like Vivian did and pretty well. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm so pumped. And it's going to be the YouTube guy and the OnlyFans girl. And it's going to be great. Yes, yes. I love this. Oh my God, thank you for having me, by the way. Of course. I, you know, I could talk to you for hours. Uh, but is there anything you'd like to leave the people with? Um, What I would like to leave the people with uh, is that um, I have a show called Zilla Vision. Uh, it's on Tuesday nights on Twitch. Also, be good to one another, right? Like, that's Let's the thing. Let's do it. Uh, and, um... Listen to more Franklin, because he got a good head on his shoulders, man. You have completely, I have hope for millennials talking to you. <laughs> it's just like, Do you, you have- really? No, no, be honest. And I'm not trying to like, you know, I, I'm not, I don't need this for my ego. But like, are you really? You think that? Yes, absolutely. Because I love your approach. Uh, you've said multiple things throughout this entire conversation where we were talking about, right? The, who um, changing for the times. You and I both reflected on these rom-coms, but both in their time periods and also what that looks like now and just continue yeah. growing, like be good to each other. I think you said it best where you're like, you know, I believe everybody deserves a chance for growth. So yeah. Oh I, my God. Yeah. This was a vibe. This was so much fun. <laughs> oh, I, you're, you're one of my favorite people of all time now. So be prepared for, for the dumb DMs. Uh, it'd be like asking you which word is funnier. We can, I love it. And also we're going to pitch the, we're going to next time we're pitching a rom-com. 
I'm 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 pumped. I'm pumped. So make sure you follow her at Zelavadness, right? Yes, at Zillavadness uh, on YouTube and also Instagram and uh, on Twitch at Zilla underscore Vodness. So much fun to talk to, and she's a she's a great comic. I'm excited to see what the future holds for you, my friend. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, that'll do it for me. Remember, follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Franco'sWorld underscore. And I'm being dead serious, guys. The show is growing, so I want to extend some more gratitude and thank you for taking time out of your day to listen to me. And uh, keep taking care of yourselves, and I hope you have a great day. See you.